How do you have longevity in ministry? How do you go through the ups and the downs and stay grounded? How do you stay content? We'll talk about all that and more on today's podcast. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. If you need any last-minute Christmas media for this year, you know Christmas uh, lands on a Sunday this year. Uh, So a lot of you guys are not doing services on Sunday, but some of you are. So if you need some last-minute Christmas media for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, feel free to check out our website, 1230.media slash Christmas. Uh, If you need a last-minute Christmas movie trivia countdown or motion background or mini-movie that might be great for a transitional element, in your service. Uh, again, that URL is 1230.media slash Christmas. And our holiday sale is still running also. You have about a week or so before we shut that down. Uh, you can get our entire library, our Go Unlimited annual plan, for $100 off uh, the yearly price for that. So that takes the library from $396 a year down to $296. So for under $300, you're getting the entire library for a year. So uh, that's nine different product lines, mini movies and countdowns, motion backgrounds, sermon bumpers, social graphics, title graphics, uh, and more for an entire year, only $296 a year uh, with the coupon code HOLIDAY100. All the details are on our homepage at 1230.media. That's 1230.media. We really are trying to make things as affordable as possible for you and your church. Uh, so we're trying to do big sales to, to help you out. So uh, if you need to budget, that's going to run until New Year's Day uh, is when it'll shut that down. So be sure to check that out before New Year's Day and get in on that. All right, today I welcome Ryan Hollingsworth uh, to the podcast. Ryan is the creative director at Elevation Church in Charlotte. I'm talking with Ryan today about the ups and downs of ministry. Both of us have been in ministry uh, for quite a while, not as long as others, uh, but we'll try to speak to some of the topics that ministry leaders face when it comes to staying in ministry for the long haul. So you might have noticed on the podcast uh, that Making Sunday Happy involves so much more than knowing the right button to push. It's about people, right? It's about taking care of people, both who we serve and who we serve with and ourselves. So you'll notice episodes in our podcast library all about self-care and how to deal with emotional and spiritual pressure of Sunday or or the weekend uh, just as well or just as much as the how-to, just as much as the fader that we're moving up and down and the button that we're pushing. We want to make sure that our spiritual and emotional health uh, are there as well and we take care of each other. So Ryan and I will be talking about recognition, validation, contentment, ambition, persevering during hardship. You don't have hardship in ministry, do you? 
<laughs> uh, all of us do. Uh, and uh, all of that uh, today uh, on the podcast. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun with Ryan. Plus, I play a fun game of five questions rapid fire for Ryan Hollingsworth at the end of this episode. So all of that and more is on the way right after this. Hey, guys, I wanted to let you know about our massive holiday sale here at 1230 Media. For a limited time, we are offering our entire library, our Go Unlimited annual plan, for $100 off the regular price. That means that instead of $396 a year, you're getting unlimited downloads of mini-movies, countdowns, series boxes, packs, title and social graphics, and more for only $296 a year. It's a steal under $300 for the entire library for a year. Everything currently in the library, plus all new releases for the next year. And we are adding to the library literally daily. Just go to 1230.media slash go. That's 1230.media slash go. And use the code HOLIDAY100 at checkout when signing up for our annual plan. Again, 1230.media slash go. And use the code Holiday 100 when signing up for our annual plan. That's 1230.media slash go. Hey guys, today I welcome Ryan Hollingsworth. Ryan is the creative director at Elevation Church. Hey Ryan, how's it going, man? Doing great. How you doing, Carl? Excellent, man. So give me an idea. You're right down the road from me. I'm in uh, Lexington, South Carolina in the Columbia area. You're up in Charlotte, about an hour and a half or so away. Uh, so give me an idea of your role at Elevation and what all you do. Yeah, so I've been on staff for, uh, it'll be 16 years this coming February. So the church turned 17 in February. So I've been around since almost the beginning on staff. I've been a part of the church since the, the very first uh, information meeting back in 2005. But I've uh, been on staff for almost 16 years, started off as a graphic designer, uh, and now uh, as the Current the staff is current. I'm I'm kind of more in a creative director role, so I oversee uh, several of our creative teams that produce content for our campuses and for programming and for different uh, ministries of the church, like groups and worship and stuff like that. So uh, that's my day to day is overseeing. Uh, it's about 75 creatives, kind of uh, all encompassing. So it's videographers, motion designers, graphic designers, project managers. Uh, and everything in between. So that's, that's me. Awesome. Lot, lots of stuff that you guys are doing. Is it true that a few years ago you guys took like a few months break off? Just, uh, just I don't know if it was a mental, um, just I don't know if your team was kind of just overwhelmed and but is that true that you took off of a few months or your whole team did yeah well so that, was, that that's happened a couple of different times where we've kind of put the halt on kind of major creative projects just to kind of reboot the team a little bit i think the first time it happened was out of necessity i think it was a little more reactive because we noticed our our team was getting burned out and some people were leaving uh staff and we're like man what's going on so uh, you know, Pastor Stephen kind of pulled all of us together. This is probably the first one happened probably about 10 years ago. And he was like, you know, the, the car looks real good, but if you open up the hood, the engine's about to explode. So, you know, we had literally just started uh, a series uh, in Hebrews and we had kind of all this creative content planned out for it. It's like, hey, uh, we got the week one of the series. And he's like, I'm just going to need a splash uh, the rest of the time. And uh, we're, we're, we're not making any more creative work for like a month until we figure out what's going on and how to, how to get this thing going. So, uh, we take, you know, we, we try to be strategic with our seasons. We know like when our busy seasons are and when our, you know, that's kind of, 
the flow of ministry, you know, like you have to work on stuff every single weekend. Sunday's always coming. Yeah. But we know there's busier times and times where there's, there's, uh, you know, time to be a little more strategic and kind of regroup and try to work on the work on ourselves rather than the work all the time. So a lot of, a lot of times in June, uh, we kind of take some, a few weeks off, not off, but kind of, uh, you know, refocus some of our energy towards doing team development and some, some staff projects and stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, you and I have both served at large churches. Uh, I most recently served New Spring uh, Church uh, here in South Carolina. And uh, we've we've both been kind of through some ups and downs of ministry over the years. And that's what I want to talk to you about some today is just kind of the ride of of ministry. So, and just kind of how we ride out those seasons, that kind of thing. So give me a sense of how you've been just kind of planted the whole time, just kind of get me started here. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think anybody who's in ministry for any, any length of time kind of realizes it's like, it's like dog years. Like it feels like you use seven ministry years for every regular year for a normal person. But uh, so I think anybody who's been in ministry for a long time, it's like, Oh man, what what'd they do to figure out, you know, how to, how to sustain some of that. And I think for me, honestly, like, I think it's, you know, it's a family calling. So like my wife is on staff. She just celebrated uh, being on staff 10 years uh, this past month. Um, and so for us, like having our kids involved and having, uh, you know, being able to do it together is, is a big part of it. But I think a lot of it is like, I still believe in the vision of our church. I believe in the, you know, the character of our leadership, I believe in their value and the creative process in ministry and in sharing the gospel, because, you know, I've seen us, you know, be resourced with, with large teams and being able to have responsibility over big projects and carry, you know, carry Christmas and carry different stuff like that. And so, you know, knowing like, okay, I've been called to serve, you know, serve the church through my gifts and skills creatively and and hopefully with some leadership too. And um, as long as, you know, you know, I feel like those things, the big things are still pointing in the right direction. I'm like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on board for the whole thing. Um, I know that there's teams that'll change and organizational structures that are changed and even focuses that'll change. You know, we did, you know, we were very serious focused for the first about 10 years of the church. And now, now we're much more, you know, weekend to weekend and church values focused. So, you know, that, that changed a lot how we approached creative work, but it didn't really change like the heart and the mission, the vision of the church and, and our leadership. And so, you know, as long as they're here, I'm here. That's, that's kind of what I believe, um, you know, and God can tell me otherwise, but for now I'm like, yeah, this is what I want. I wake up every day and I love what I do. So talk to me about that. You guys, did you make a shift from preaching in series to, is it more topical? Is it more just yeah. kind of figuring out what he wants to preach about each week? I think How's it was, going? yeah, it was one of those other things. This is not reactionary, but I think it was something that had been kind of stirring in Pastor Stephen for a while. And then we got to a place, you know, um, one of our big series every year for the, you know, for the first decade of the church was that series coming out of summer into the fall as people are kind of like renewing their rhythms and kind of getting back into a flow. And so we always saw like, oh, this is a great influx of attendance is going to start coming back and let's give people a really great hook for, uh, you know, a good series. And so I remember it vividly because we did this series, uh, it was was supposed to be about distraction and how, you know, the world kind of distracts us from, you know, the things of Christ. And, um, the series name was thumb war because we had this idea of like, you know, everybody's on their phones all the time. So you're using their thumbs are distracted by that. So we had like these little luchador thumb wrestlers. Uh, I remember the graphic because like all the creative support was really, really great. And we were like really pumped about it. And it was supposed to be like this big five-week series. And we kind of got into it. And, you know, we were in our weekly kind of creative preview meeting with Pastor Steven back then. And, you know, he was like, you know, I think uh, something's got to change. I feel like we are not, the marketing is getting in the way of the message. 
Um, and we are kind of trying to be a little too cute and a little too creative. And I think we're kind of losing like what was intended to be kind of a hook has now become a, a distraction of itself. And he kind of drew this like this squiggly up and down line, look kind of like a, you know, a lie detector, or like a heart meter or something like that. And he's like, this is kind of what we do is like, we're going up and down. We kind of give people a little sugar highs to get them excited about the next series. And then that kind of wanes and we get them excited about the next thing. And he's like, you know, what if it was a more of a sustained thing and we're kind of building on something rather than trying to like get people excited every four or five weeks. Um, so, you know, he's like, we're not going to do series anymore. We didn't do series for like any series for like over a year. And then, you know, as that kind of time passed, we, we, we've done, strategically, you know, two series one year or, you know, we'll, he'll kind of look back and like, Oh, this is like a four week series that I didn't really intend to be a series, but now it is one. So we'll kind of use some of that and package that later on. But he said, you know, the creative team's job now is less marketing and more pushing church values. Like what's important. What do we want people who are coming to church to see and to learn to take away what stuff that we want to make sure they're leaving with is like, okay, the value is getting connected or serving or, you know, uh, serving an outreach or different types of things like that. So that really changed our whole focus of our creative department because we were very marketing focused initially. And now we've, we've changed a lot more to that. We're very story driven. We don't do, you know, as many, um, you know, creative elements like people used to call them. Um, and we are strategic with those. So like our Christmas is a full creative experience. Like there's not a, you know, in the past several years, at least there hasn't been a sermon. It's been like, here's a creative, you know, video and kind of different performances and stuff like that and worship that tells the Christmas story. So we have a place to kind of put a lot of that energy, but it's not in this week to week thing anymore. Gotcha. So I want to get into more kind of um, uh, just the, the values of ministry or kind of what we wrestle with in, in ministry from a staff yeah. member point of view. So uh, you've kind of decided to kind of dig into a few things instead of doing a million things. You've touched on that a little bit, but kind of Kind of walk me through how you guys focus instead of trying to do it all. Yeah, that is that is the always the tension because I think you know there's as creators like what about this idea? What about this idea? You know, we could try this, and just because you can doesn't mean you always should. So I think trying to like um, be very intentional with like what you're putting yourself in the in the shoes of the people who are coming to sit down at church. And you're like, all right, it took everything in them to not just roll over and, and turn on their phone and watch church this morning. They actually came in person. So if we wanted to give them one thing to walk away with, let's make sure we're very clear with that one thing. We, we use this phrase, uh, kind of point the way and clear the path. So like, here's one direction you need to go, and we're going to do everything we can to remove distractions and remove other things that would prevent you from making this one decision, whether that's to sign up to serve or to, uh, you know, become a volunteer or, uh, you know, join a group or whatever. And so that, that has given a lot of focus to the things we do to where, you know, we, we operate off of a, a calendar where it's like, okay, for the next four weeks, we're only talking about volunteering. We can't talk about anything else because we need people to understand the value of volunteering. So we can't say, Hey, make sure you're volunteering and also sign up for, you know, youth camp and also sign up for this. And so our calendar is very Tetris out to where we try to only say like, Hey, here's one big focus. If you came to church this weekend, this is what we want you to walk away with. Um, outside of the sermon, obviously, like I think those kind of stand alone, which has helped us too, because I think same for Pastor Stephen, when we were operating in series, he would be preaching about forgiveness and like, oh man, I got one more week, but we're supposed to start a sermon series on James on Sunday. So I don't know if I, I I'm just going to try to force this out or I'm going to save it for later. So now it's kind of giving him a little more flow. And then also we don't feel like we're necessarily tied to uh, you know, what he's preaching that weekend or that Sunday to push anything. So if they align, great. And sometimes we do try to make sure like, you know, if we need to push volunteering, hey, we're pushing volunteering, Pastor Steve. It'd be great if you were able to mention volunteering or serving um, 
while you're, you know, while you're preaching, but we don't necessarily need one or the other to be reliant to, to kind of make something happen there. As far as your experiences go, do you focus more on the physical environment or the online space, or do you kind of lean your um, direction and what you do towards one of those? Yeah. I, so my team, so we have two kind of creative teams, one of them, and this kind of came uh, or at least grew out of COVID. Obviously, like everybody kind of had to become an online church for a while during COVID. Mm-hmm. We we're trying to figure everything out. And um, fortunately, we had put a lot of energy towards kind of our, our online experience for a while. So we weren't necessarily behind the eight ball there as much as like, oh, wow, this is like, there's three times as many people showing up online. There used to be, we need to make sure we're resourcing people well. So um, it both experiences are considered um, not equal, but important. Um, so like we have a whole team who's dedicated to thinking through what is the experience like for someone who's online. We don't want to make sure make it feel like they're just watching, like they're just observing or they're just kind of like sneaking in and kind of peeking at what's happening in real life. We're like, no, we want to make sure that we see you. So we have like a, a whole team who's, you know, of pastors and hosts and different things like that who are speaking directly to our online community. Um, and then on the flip side, we also understand the value of of the in-person connection and what are the things that you can only get in person. You, you, right now you can't get baptized online. So like, okay, cool. We need to figure out a way to make sure that people understand the value of children's ministry and baptism and live worship. And these are values. And even like the connection you get from an in-person experience, you know, like I think a lot of the world is dealing with that too, though, whether it's sports or movies or concerts, like you're going to get a better viewing experience of a football game watching it on TV than you are in person. But what are the intangible things that you're not going to get from television? Okay. We're well, not going to get the, the crowd and the energy and different stuff like that. So a lot of that is on us of like, okay, what, what's the connection we're making? What's the community we're offering to people that they can't just, like I said, roll over and turn their phone on and watch church. Cause yeah, I mean, you roll over and you're like, okay, cool. I can get a better shot and a better seat and I can listen to really good worship and I don't have to do anything versus like, oh, I got to get up and I got to get the kids and I got to drive across town and all this stuff. But we want that to be, okay, well, we want to make that worth it for you. So both are important and both are considered uh, valuable, but I don't think we'd try to have one necessarily be the lead dog right now. I think we know we're serving two different types of people in two different communities, but both are important. Good. All right. Let's talk about recognition versus validation. What's the difference? Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, one of the things I learned uh you know, just kind of being on staff. And I think, uh, you know, recognition um, is recognizing, I think, you know, it's not in the sense of like, you're going to get like a gold star or like a trophy or something like that. I think that's, that's kind of a, I think recognition is understanding what God has put inside of me and that I am created by a creator, that creativity is, is not something that can be used up. It's something that um, flows through me um, from the creator. And so I think when I maintain a posture of like, I am a conduit of creativity, I'm a, I'm a vehicle, I'm, a, I'm a, a vessel, not the oil, then I think I'm able to be a much more effective, creative uh, person when I don't feel like I'm having to rely on myself. Um, I heard this great quote years ago where, you know, God has intended us to, to not create our own light. We were never designed to be projectors. We're designed to be reflectors. Um, and so that posture has helped me a whole lot in knowing like, okay, well, I'm only going to create what God has wanted me, what wants me to create. I just have to be receptive to hearing and receiving the creativity he wants to flow through me and be a good steward of that. And so when I feel like I do get creative block, I feel like that's me kind of losing sight of, of the recognition of, of who God's called me to be and the gifts he's put inside of me. And some of that has to do with fear and some of that has to do with pride. And 
you know, it could be a variety of things, but a lot of that is, is on me a lot less on kind of God not giving me any good ideas or whatever. So that's kind of the recognition side of it. Or go ahead. As a leader, how do you, how do you recognize uh, validation in, in others? How do you help others see validation in themselves? I think you have to, I mean, especially uh, we have a lot of young creatives that come through our team, whether that's, you know, new hires who are kind of in their twenties and I'm, I'm not getting any younger. So, you know, uh, my job is to kind of help steward their young creativity and help them understand like where their value and validation comes from and knowing like, Hey, if you are being faithful with the gift you've been given and you are kind of like the parable of the talents, like I'm returning on what God has placed in me, I'm trying to multiply that. Then that's where your true validation has to come from. Like if you are living and dying by the approval of others, you're going to, be thrilled when you get a great comment or a fire emoji on something you post on Instagram, but then you're going to fall apart when you don't get that or when you get the opposite of it. And, and so that's a, that's an emotional roller coaster that I think a lot of creatives have to, they have to go through that process of understanding like, okay, I'm not defined by the work, even though that's what we as creatives have signed up for is like, let me design this thing. Let me make this video and I'm going to show it to you and just please tell me you like it. Like that is kind of what we signed up for. But I think, um, you have to kind of get over that being the end all be all and understand like, okay, at the end of the day, I am here to serve the church. If I'm helping solve the problem that I've been asked to solve, and I'm, I'm getting a chance to solve new problems and giving, given more responsibility. I can't necessarily live and die by each project and say like, man, this, every project is better than the last one. And that's just not possible. And so when you do that, then yeah, if you are not focused on, on kind of trying to like one up yourself every single time or, then I think you're able to sustain a, a much longer, healthier creative career. Uh, tell me, tell me, uh, talk to me about intention, how, how our work needs a reason for doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's, I think foundation of work is, is, is super important. I think, um, you know, for us, we call our, our partners, I mean, our, well, like our ministries that we work with, we call them our partners. And we used to call them clients because we were kind of built on an agency model where there's project requests and there's project managers. And, uh, you know, you have point people and you have project management systems. And we operate in this like client, uh, you know, vocabulary for a long time. And, and we changed it to partners because we want to make sure our posture is always, and we're here to serve our church. We're here to partner with people. Um, I'm not here just to produce creative content or move a mouse for you or, or make something nice and shiny. I'm here to help, help you reach people with the gospel and use the gifts that I have and the things I've been asked to do in a way that does that. And so for us, the intentionality is like, cool, I'm not trying necessarily to make the thing that all my creative friends are going to love every single time. There are times when I want to push myself and have a good challenge and give myself new creative uh, goals to reach for. But if I'm creating out of a, a posture of service and being intentional with that, it changes how I approach the problems. I'm not necessarily like trying to force my creative vision onto a project. I'm trying to find the right creative answer for the project. So to that end, how do you encourage your teams to, to serve and maybe not showcase their work? <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I've, I've been through that too. Like uh, I still remember a conversation I had with Pastor Steven probably. I mean, I was, I'd only been on staff a year or two. And I was the only graphic designer at the time. Uh, and so I was making a lot of, uh, you know, everything from series graphics to kids graphics and stuff like that. And, and everything at the time when the church was smaller and we had a smaller staff, you know, all of those graphics went in front of him for approval and in front of our lead team. And so I'd be presenting series graphics every couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I was still learning how to be a, a designer. So I was a part of this uh, Flickr community called the church marketing lab uh, where I'd post some of my graphics and get feedback. And, 
I think what it became over time, we started off with good intention. It became over time a place for me to kind of get my kudos from the creative community. If like, oh right. man, I really love this graphic. This is sick. Um, and, you know, I started using language like, well, this is what I would have wanted, but that's not what they picked. And then that, that's where it kind of got a little dangerous. And ultimately, like, I think through Twitter or through something, you know, Pastor Steven stumbled upon the church marketing lab and was like, oh, this is cool. He's posting his work. That's awesome that he's sharing that. And then he started reading some of the, the captions I had put and started using you know, some of that, a little more like divisive language of, and it wasn't intentionally trying to be divisive, but I was trying to, you know, position myself as like, well, I, I had a better creative idea, but you know, instead they picked this, but I would have picked this one or whatever. And I think it ultimately was like, you know, he called me and was like, Hey, this is, this is not necessarily what I thought we were doing together. He's like, you know, I thought we were trying to help solve these problems together and we were on the same page. We're on the same team. And this, when you post this type of stuff, it feels like you're just trying to get your kudos from your creative friends and you're kind of treating us like the dumb idiot clients. And so, you know, that was very convicting for me as a, a young designer. I was like, Oh man, that was like not my intention, but I totally see how that kind of became my posture. Um, and so I think for us, like I keep a good pulse on kind of, when we post creative work, what are we saying about it? Why are we posting it? Is it to help inspire their churches? Is it to get some some fire emoji comments or what? And just being pretty, like I try to keep a pretty good pulse on our team and kind of our 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 purpose behind different projects and um, making sure too, like when we get feedback that we're receiving it well, that we're understanding kind of where it's coming from, that we're not just like huddled over in the corner saying, man, they're so stupid. I can't believe that this is what they want to do. This is so dumb. I don't have to always agree with the feedback, but I have to understand that we're all in the same team. It's not us versus them as much as like our church versus like the big, the problem, the bigger problem or whatever. Mm, So yeah, it's a, but it's a constant thing. Like, I don't think you solve it once. I think you kind of have to be intentional with making sure that maintains your posture or that is your maintained posture. Good word. Good story. Um, All right. Talk to me about, and to that end, talk to me about contentment and ambition. Yeah, that's, that's a hard thing, you know, like, um, I think I do, you know, that is, that is the, the creative, uh, conundrum is like, how do I know when I need to be, you know, happy and grateful and thankful for the things I have, but how do I not get complacent and just kind of put things on autopilot and like, well, this is the way we've always done this. So we're just going to, you know, change the date or change the color and cool pump this out, um, versus like, okay, man, what's the, what is the the dream that God's put inside of me? Um, and where has, you know, what has he put in me? Where has he told me to go and kind of understanding like these, these visions of the future and these kind of glimpses of future create creativity wasn't put there without a reason. It was there on, on purpose. And so I think I'm being irresponsible if I'm not trying to kind of chase things, new things down and, and poke the box a little bit and try like, okay, what's that do? That's what's that do? Like, I think if I get too comfortable, I think that's when, you know, I think that's when God gets frustrated is when he's like, well, no, like you, you did that, but that wasn't just so you could stay there. That was so that you can continue on that journey. That was a building block to the next thing that I had for you. Yeah. And so um, I think being able to honor where you're at currently, but also kind of be, and focused and, and, and giving some, some time and vision and, and effort and energy towards like kind of what's the, what's the next thing to, what are you, what, what are you looking towards the future for? What about affirmation and, and correction? How do we do both, especially as a leader? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if you're not doing both of those things, you're not, um, you're probably not caring at the right level for your team. If you're not willing to affirm and correct your team, I think if you're just affirming your cheerleader and if you're just correcting your, you're a drill sergeant and right. nobody really wants to work for either of those for a long time. I think, uh, 
you know, you got to see yourself more as a coach of like, okay, I am going to cheer you on when you're doing great. And I'm going to help you get better when I see that you're not kind of hitting the mark on certain things. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got on that was um, that too often we're, we're very uh, specific with our critiques, but we're very general with our praise. And we'll say things like, oh man, you really crushed that. Or man, you knocked out of the park or you're a rock star. But we'll say, but this one thing, when you said this one word, this one way, or this one line of text that wasn't justified or, or whatever, uh, we really take those things more personal because, man, that was like a very poignant, specific critique. And I just got a general praise that didn't feel like they even, you know, listened to the whole thing or watched the whole thing or read the whole thing or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, as a leader, making sure I'm very clear, like, hey, this was awesome. This specific thing you said this way, even if they're not on my team, like I'll, I'll text, you know, different people who were doing announcements on Sunday, like, hey, the way you said this, the way you communicated that, that was awesome. Um, and I feel like that that's not like subversive, but I think being able to make investments in relationships that are not just in a critiquing posture, I think, you know, they help people receive that feedback better when they also know like, man, this guy's for me. He believes in me. He, you know, he gives me good feedback when I'm doing good stuff. Um, and I think, you know, kind of back to the beginning, like recognition is, you know, when I recognize the, the gift that I potentially have, and then I, affirmation is when I recognize that gift in action. Um, and so like a lot of my job is helping young creatives kind of recognize their potential. And then when I see it being applied, being able to say, Hey, that what you're doing it right now, that thing that we said that you could do, you're actually doing it. I feel like that was me too. Like, I don't think I had this huge vision for my life that I was going to be on a church staff for 16 years and be a creative director. I was like a self-taught graphic designer who didn't know anything, but it took a lot of people kind of being very intentional with my development and being very specific with the potential that they said, you know, I believe you could do this. I think you can do this. I'm, I'm, I, I believe you're more than just a, a self-taught graphic designer. And, and then, you know, you start to believe some of that stuff yourself and, and it becomes this you know, self-fulfilling prophecy of like, yeah, I actually, I, I could do those things that people thought I could. So. So you mentioned uh, that you've been there for 16 years. <clears throat> yeah. So how do we, Obviously, everything hasn't been a bed of roses. Uh, there have been ups <laughs> yeah. and downs. Uh, sure. So, uh, so how do we preserve during hardship when it's when it's down in the dumps? When ministry's hard, how do we grow through that resistance? Right. No, I mean that, some of the best advice I got from was from a career director I had years ago, and and he said, if you quit when it's hard, you'll quit the next time anything is hard. Um, and so I've, I've always told my team that too, of like, Hey, if, if you feel like you're feeling the urge to, to leave staff or to leave our team or to do something like that, like make sure it's not in a season where you're, you're leaving frustrated or you're leaving because something was difficult. I'd rather you kind of let's work through this difficult season together. And then on the other side of that, let's decide if this is a good long-term fit, or if you're leaving it like, Hey, I I'm able to leave now because I feel like I've done a lot to help move my area of ministry forward. I am not leaving the team in a bad spot. I, I, you know, I have these projects that I'm proud of that I was able to push forward and I can leave knowing like, cool, I've, I've done what God has called me to do in this season and he's called me somewhere else. But I think, you know, if you leave and you're like, man, I had a bad manager. My supervisor didn't believe in me or man, that project was really hard. I'm, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. Right. Then I think that's true. Like, I think you'll go to anywhere else, whether it's a church or a, a, you know, a general marketing job or whatever. And you're like, man, that was hard again. I'm going to quit then. And so I think like resistance is part of growth. Like that is, you know, like I, I don't, I don't pretend to lift a lot of weights, but I, I know people who do. And, and I think the heavier weights that you lift is when you're, when you grow the most. 
Um, and I think that has a lot to do, you know, that the application applies the same in, in the creative world, or even if you're not a creative, even if you're just working anywhere, like when you're able to, to come against resistance or hardship and figure out how to push through those and not kind of just give up in the process. I think there's a lot of growth that comes from that. Um, but I think, you know, I think one of those things like anything you do, there's going to be a percentage of it that you don't like, but as long as that percentage stays um, in balance, you know, kind of like the 80, 20 rule that people talk about of like, I love 80% of it and 20% of it I don't. That's probably about as healthy as it's going to get. I don't think you're supposed to love anything hundred uh, percent. I think there's going to be parts of things you, you're not fully like, oh, I don't, I don't love, I wish we didn't do that. Or I don't love the way we do that. But when those things start getting out of balance and it's more of a, you know, 60, 40, 50, 50, or it starts shifting the other direction and you start, putting more emphasis on the things you, you don't jive with, then that's when I think it becomes a little dangerous as far as your sustainability and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be easy to, to get bitter in those totally. scenarios. So let me ask you about that. How does the devil use bitterness to steal our joy? Man, that is, I think that is like the, I think that's one of the, the root um, causes for what I've seen kind of people get knocked out of ministry. Not like they, you know, compromise their, their values or did something dumb like that does happen. But I think people who just believe because they're bitter, I think a lot of it came from, you know, them not uh, speaking up about things that they, you know, had an issue with, or they were struggling in a season. Or uh, I think some of it has a lot to do like, man, I, I want my team to feel like they, they can be honest with me and communicate when they're going through a difficult time. I don't want to know like, man, I've been really struggling for six months and today's my last day. I'm like, man, that sucks. Like I would have loved to help walk you through the past six months and figure out if there's a, a better way or a solution that didn't end and you having to leave staff. Yeah. Um, and I think like, I think bitterness is a big tool of the enemy. I think he uses bitterness. Um, you know, if he's not going to take me out of ministry, he can take my joy from ministry through bitterness. And I think I've seen it happen a lot. And, uh, and people who, you know, who signed up for all the best reasons and they didn't become bad people. They just kind of lost their joy and, 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 and kind of lost track of their purpose and what they were doing. And, um, there are people who do leave well and they're like, I, I, I put in the time God has called me to, and I feel like I'm leaving this in a better spot and I'm, I'm leaving happy and I love the church still. But then you had the flip side of that people who probably should have addressed some issues earlier or who feel like they didn't, they weren't heard when they did bring up issues who rather than kind of, you know, helping figure out a solution, stayed too long and got bitter and ended up dragging some other people down with them and kind of affected the attitude of the whole team and stuff like that. And, it's a, it's a bummer because I don't love those people any less, but it, it does suck that that was their kind of how their, their experience in ministry ended is like on that kind of foot. So yeah, um, I try to help people avoid that as much as possible by trying to catch it on the front end and kind of help them. All right, let's find you a new, if, if it's a new role or if it's a, you know, help you off, get off staff before, you know, you, you kind of lose your whole heart for, for the church and ministry and things like that. So how does that work with creatives? What do they need in order to be challenged in order to, you know, are there certain things that creatives need in order to have longevity? In yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, so I, I, I bring up this book almost, almost as much as anything, um, this book that Todd Henry wrote. Uh, so he wrote a book called The Accident, Accidental Creative years ago that we read as a yeah. team. And a few years back, he put one out called Herding Tigers, which is uh, yeah. a book written for creative leaders. Um, and in like his, his like, benchmark point of the whole thing, or at least the thing I took away from it the most is one of the first things he talks about is that creatives need challenge and stability in order to feel like they're, they're thriving in whatever role they're in. That's not just ministry specific. That's in any creative role. And I think, you know, he draws it on this like X, Y axis of, you know, if you have high challenge and high stability, that's like the sweet spot. That's when you're thriving. 
when you have, you know, high challenge and low stability, that's typically meaning like, okay, well, I'm not being, my work is, is challenging. I'm being pushed forward, but I don't have the, the stability and structure in place to help it be a sustainable thing. And so whether that's like, I don't feel like my boss has my back or I'm not being communicated with well, or stuff changes last minute and it's frustrating. If you're kind of in that spot of low stability and high challenge, then you're kind of in this like angry quadrant of this, you know, this imaginary chart. Yeah. And on the flip side, if you're in this, you know, I have high stability, but low challenge, you're kind of in this board quadrant, which again, that's my role as a creative director is to, to see if people are fluctuating between like this, this angry section or this board <laughs> section. Because if you're bored, you're like, cool, I'm going to go find somewhere else to be creative because I'm not being challenged with what I'm doing. And so I have to kind of keep a good pulse on my team. And we do this exercise several times a year with, you know, our creative supervisors where we'll have people chart their whole team on the chart and like, okay, well, you know, Sarah is here, but uh, Tim is down here kind of thing. Um, and we kind of try to say, okay, well, let's figure out if Tim's bored, let's figure out, you know, what, what can we do to kind of help challenge Tim? Do we need to give him more responsibility? Do we need to put on some bigger projects? And then on the upside, like if Sarah's frustrated or Sarah's angry, okay, well, Sarah, you know, her project manager is not giving her accurate timelines or, you know, the ministry partner that she works with isn't giving them complete communication. So she feels like she's making stuff and it's not being used or it's being changed last minute, stuff like that. So if we're, you know, if we're kind of keeping ourselves, um, you know, accountable as leaders, we're constantly kind of monitoring this dashboard of like, okay, well, where's my team at? Are they, you know, what quadrant of the challenge or stability, uh, you know, access are they falling into? Does that, that change? So how often do you take a temperature of that? We, you know, I, I try to keep a, um, we pull our creative supers together probably twice a year for an offsite. And that this is like a, a common exercise we do as part of that day is like, you know, we'll put it on a whiteboard and give everybody sticky notes and everybody just spends a half hour kind of putting their team up there and then kind of walking through why their team's there. So one, it helps give the rest of the team kind of a knowledge of like, oh, okay, these are people who we work with and we know of who are in, you know, either in a good spot or a bad spot. And that kind of just helps us have a pulse on, oh, okay, well, maybe I have some, oh, uh, great. Timmy's more challenged. Cool. I had this project in mind anyway that my team was working on. I think he'd be a great person to add to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think twice a year is usually when we kind of check in on that and just kind of, and we also look back at the previous one of like, did anybody move into a good spot or did anybody move into a bad spot? And so we're, right. we're also kind of evaluating where they're coming from too. Good. All right. I'm going to hit you with some, a uh, little bit of rapid fire. Are you ready? All right. All right, here we go. Number one. What are uh, what are a couple of things that people believe about elevation or mega churches in general that are not true? Common misconceptions. Common misconceptions. Uh, I think people uh, believe that they are they are machines that are not run by real people. Uh, I think that big churches. Um, you know, I think at. Uh, the ones at least I've interacted with, whether it's New Spring Elevation or different types of ones, I feel like they have people who truly do care about people at their core. Um, and I think that people kind of see anything big as kind of the enemy sometimes. So, you know, it's never been a big church's intention to put smaller churches out or to not um, value those things. Like I think, I mean, even back to, you know, New Spring used to do a conference for church leaders. And I know that, you know, Elevation's done different stuff. And we try to like make sure that we're helping people who maybe don't have the resource or blessing we have, or not blessing, but like the resource we have um, to be able to, hey, let me help you with some answers or give you some, you know, here's some videos that we used or different types of stuff to try to resource people. Cause we know like we had churches that were helping us um, in different seasons when we were smaller too. So I think anything we can to kind of turn that back around and say like, hey, here's what we got. We'd love to help you out along the way. I mean, we have people who, whose job on staff, their, their primary role is to be a resource for other churches. So that doesn't really do anything to build us. That just kind of helps build the kingdom. And so I think overall, mega churches, I feel like 
um, there, there are real people there who really do care about people who work there. All right. Number two, what is something churches should be focusing more on when it comes to creativity? Oh, that's good. Um, I think if you are not able to tell the people of your church's stories well, I think that is a huge miss. Like, I think you can do a lot with a great creative element that's like, oh man, that was awesome. My church is so creative. But if at the end of the day, they're just saying, man, my church is so creative, but I'm not motivated to really do anything or being uh, shown someone in my church who's, who has an inspiring story, like, oh man, that's awesome. I do need to. You know, like right now, we're an example of it's like, okay, we, we need more volunteers in our kids' ministry. So if we're not doing a good job telling stories of volunteers who are in our kids' ministry to help motivate people to say, oh, that is awesome. I love our kids' ministry. I didn't even think about that. I should volunteer for them. Then I think we're using creativity in a way that's not necessarily um, as beneficial as it could be. All right. You lead me into a volunteer question. Give me one thing right. that you guys do at Elevation to invite and retain volunteers for your weekend experiences or anything? <laughs> um, I think we have, so we recently rebooted our volunteer onboarding process. Um, we have a, a really great guest experience director um, who's been on staff for a long time. She just moved into this role a little over a year ago, but her big emphasis was uh, leader development and volunteer care. Um, because I think, you know, we see uh, a lot of volunteers sign up but also a lot kind of leave out the back door and trying to figure out okay what's the life cycle of a volunteer what are some things we can do on the front end to help equip people better when they're becoming a volunteer but how do we also like have different touch points intentional touch points along the way to make sure they feel like they're they're not just plugged into the machine and, and left to kind of like well i gotta now i gotta push this widget and make this thing happen like no i'm i'm still a person i still have value i still have care and so recognizing them and along the process too all right, I got a two-parter here. What is one thing that creatives could do to encourage their pastors or leadership to plan further out? <laughs> um, I think it, to be faithful with the things they've been asked to do um, initially. So I think for us, um, we didn't really get the opportunity to work on larger projects as a creative team further out until we were able to consistently build trust that we were gonna deliver every weekend. Um, and so for our team, that meant like, hey, uh, I know that this announcement video is not the sexiest thing. It's not going to go in your reel, but it needs to be two minutes. And it needs to communicate this one thing clearly that was asked of us to do. I think we were able to build those types of wins. Then we were kind of given more and more trust and more and more runway to, you know, like I mentioned a little earlier, now the creative team is fully over the Christmas that in the past year didn't see it until he sat down for Christmas. Um, which has come a long way of like, you know, him having to sit in a meeting and watch every single announcement video and every single thing. And so I think once we were able to build trust with him and he was able to, um, you know, continue to give us more and more responsibility and more and more trust, it allowed us to uh, have an opportunity to work on longer term, bigger projects like that too. What if my pastor, you know, I don't, maybe I know what series he's in, but I don't know the details of that message until Thursday, Friday. How do I work within that as a creative? Uh, that's that is that is tricky you know i think um i think being able if you have the opportunity to be to be clear and not just be frustrated but use it as an opportunity to kind of educate in the process i mean you're obviously not going to necessarily change in how how god downloads to your your pastor or your preacher and in what way i mean i think you know we used to have a sermon series planning meeting where we'd sit down and try to map out the entire year and we try to we probably with 75 percent accuracy we knew it was coming up 
Um, but a lot of churches don't necessarily have that benefit. And now we're kind of in a place where we don't really find out the sermon title until, you know, later in the week. And we have to kind of create, a, a, you know, it's not as, as important or create as much ways as it used to be. But there's just to be some branding and some, and some look and feel to the weekend. Um, but I think a lot of that uh, comes with education of like, hey, you know, Pastor Bill, like it, if you're able to give us this much time, we can deliver a little bit better quality or something that, that, that helps, you know, emphasize or, or uh, you know, reiterate the thing you're trying to teach. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you're like, okay, well, I, don't, I can't control how God is going to talk to him. So I have to have to work within the box I've been given. So if I have 48 hours to make it great, cool, I'm going to do the best I can in 48 hours and not really wish I had six extra days to do it because that's just not the reality of the situation either sometimes. Good. And you might have just answered this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is kind of on the flip side of that? What is something creatives can do to serve their leadership in last minute situations? I'm not giving it. It's not given to me yeah. until Friday, Sunday morning. How can I serve my pastor well? The best thing is to have a good attitude. Like, I don't think they're happy about having to ask you last minute either. And so if you kind of throw a fit or try to like, you know, add more drama to the situation, like that's not going to help it get done any faster. It's just going to compound people's frustration. So I think it's good to, if you have opportunity to say, evaluate it in the back end of like, hey, this was great. We could have done this and this and this. Have had a little bit more time, but we feel like we were able to do the best we could in the time we had. Um, but I think, yeah, I think having a good attitude, I mean, again, I think that's probably one of the best things that we've done is like, okay, we just need to say, all right, great. We can figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. Like, I don't ever want our pastor to have an idea and then not tell us the idea because he's, he's worried that we're going to be frustrated or not be able to pull it off. I want him to say, no, this is what God, I think has asked me to kind of help support the weekend sermon with, can you guys pull it off? We're like, yeah, we'll figure out something. Good. All right. Last one for you. From a creative standpoint, what makes the greatest impact with a sermon series or weekend? Is it design, video, live elements? What usually makes the biggest impact? Um, I think it is it is whatever clearly communicates the action step, uh, whether that's video design, print, a live element. I think, again, I think if we are, if the creative is getting in the way of the main message and it's more window dressing than, uh, you know, pointing a clear direction towards something, then I think that it is definitely not as effective. I think the most effective creative communication is, is something that is clear. And I know at the end of it, okay, I'm supposed to have, you know, this response. Then I think that's the best form of creativity. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, how can, uh, how can people keep up with you? How can we follow you? Yeah, you can follow me um, on Instagram. It's it's at Ryan Swerth, which is uh, my last name is Hollingsworth. And I was told when I was 14 working in a Chick-fil-A by one of the cooks in the back that Hollingsworth wasn't a very cool last name. So he changed my name to Swerth. So Ryan Swerth, uh, you can find him on Instagram there. But uh, that's mainly just pictures of my kids. So if you want to keep up with the creative work at Elevation, you can follow Elevation CRTV, uh, Elevation Creative on Instagram and then Elevation Film for our creative accounts. And if there's young creatives who are listening and they're looking for a chance to um, have an opportunity to, to be exposed to uh, six months uh, intensive creative work and build their portfolio real fast and also learn how to work in a fast paced environment, we have a creative apprenticeship that we run twice a year. So we just finished our last class. It's uh, 10 kind of post college graduate age uh, creatives who we kind of put on our teams and give them six months of intensive work. Um, it's paid, there's housing. Uh, but you can go to elevationchurch.org slash creative-apprenticeship and you can sign up for that. Awesome. Ron, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Carl, thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Grant here from the 1230 Media Team. 
I want to let you know about our blog at 1230.media. We have over 600 articles on the site categorized by your ministry area, meaning you can jump to articles on church media or production, worship, communications, service planning, and more. Free training to help you make Sunday happen. Start learning today. It's all at 1230.media slash blog. That's 1230.media slash blog. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out the podcast this week. I want to thank our amazing team at 1230 Media for putting the podcast together. AJ Schubert, who edits the podcast every single week. Daniel Stevanis, who distributes our podcast. AC Black, who creates podcast artwork and also promotes our podcast on social media. Uh, Suzanne Conyers, who clips up uh, our podcast into little small uh, sociable content uh, that we share online. We have such an amazing team uh, at 1230, and uh, it's it's not just me. I'm the face that you see, uh, but we have an amazing team uh, behind the scenes doing a lot of work to get the podcast out. So I uh, just want to thank them. Uh, and next week, as we close out the year, I'll be sharing a workshop of mine that I delivered at several conferences this year, all about how to revise your work without losing your soul. So how can we not get stuck in revision after revision after revision when it comes to our design, our video, uh, or any type of project that we have going on uh, at our church? How do we not stuck uh, get stuck in revision after revision? Uh, we'll also talk about some project management tools and some productivity hacks uh, and more. All that is next week on the show. Uh, we'll go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. Go make Sunday happen. I'll see you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com. 